You're listening to media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. We are a multi-generational, Jesus-centered community of Scripture, faith, and grace located in Tallahassee, Florida, on the campus of Florida State University. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. We hope that the next few moments are a time when God speaks into your life by the power of His Holy Spirit about His Son, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who comes in order to bring us a harmony that comes about because of his forgiveness and his kingdom. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, how do you split a room? Well, this past Wednesday at our small group night, we, we played a little game called Split the Room where uh, we asked kind of silly questions that uh, we, we said, okay, if, you, if you're, you're more of a cat person, go over here. And if you're more of a dog person, go over there. Uh, you know, if you, if you like chocolate better, you go over here. If you like uh, vanilla better, you go over there. But there's, there's uh, some other ways that we can split a room. There, there's some ways that we can split a room in, in this context, I think. Uh, and and uh, so we could split the room on, you know, are, are, you a, are, are you a Seminole fan or are you a Gator fan? We could split the room even further by saying, well, are you a Republican or, or are you a Democrat? could probably split the room even further by saying, well, um, uh, how do you feel about critical race theory in the Black Lives Matter movement? How do you feel about Me Too? How, how do you feel about ethical non-monogamy? How, how do you feel about... Uh, the LGBTQ movement? How do you feel uh, about uh, vaccination? How do you feel about the third booster shot? We could get into some really interesting moments of splitting the room. In fact, I think that has been something that we have been learning about throughout this entire sort of two years that we've been dealing with the pandemic is that we have been dealing with an understanding of how we split the room and also an understanding of how we thought certain people think the way that we think. And we find out that when it comes down to splitting the room, they don't think like we do. And that's disheartening for some of us. For some of us, that shakes us to the core. For some of us, that makes us a little bit uncomfortable to know that people around us don't agree with us on certain things that can split the room. Well, here in the Gospel of Mark, what is happening is Jesus is talking about divorce. And divorce is certainly one of those things that we can talk about and we can probably split the room. Is it okay for a Christian to get a divorce? Well, let's talk about it. Let's split the room and, and let's see. But at a deeper level, what is going on here is that the Pharisees are coming up to Jesus and they're forcing him into a moment where they think that he's going to have to split 
the room. They're bringing him into this moment where, where they feel like they've, they've trapped him. And, and this is an important moment. It's a new moment. It's, it's sort of a watershed moment in the Gospel of Mark. Because up until this point in the Gospel of Mark, the Pharisees and the scribes and the people that are trying to get Jesus to do something or say something that is not quite kosher, well, they've been dealing with the stuff that he's been doing or the stuff that his disciples have been doing. So, you know, Jesus, why do your disciples not wash their hands in the right way? Jesus, why do you do this? But now they've decided that they're no longer going to attack him on that front. They're no longer going to attack Jesus on this front of, well, you're just doing kind of the wrong thing or you're, you're teaching the wrong thing. And they're engaging in a new, and you could even say probably more fruitful sense of argumentation. And, and so what they're doing here is they're saying, well, there's already this fissure that exists in the Jewish community around this question of divorce. And it even is a fissure that exists within the party of the Pharisees themselves. You see, the Pharisees, we we get this sense, we all know what a Pharisee is, right? It's a bad guy. And and that's kind of where we stop, right? We're like, okay, Pharisees, bad guy. Maybe we, we know as much as to say, oh, Pharisee is kind of a legalistic bad guy, but we don't really know much beyond that. Most of us, anyway. Well, see, what a Pharisee is, is a, a Pharisee is somebody who is a, a lay person. He's not a priest. It is always a he. A, a Pharisee is, is somebody who is selected for a, a basically sort of religious social party. Somebody who is sort of like a political party of our day. So it's sort of like being a Republican or being a Democrat or being a Libertarian or, or being a part of the Socialist Party movement. And so there's kind of this sense of, of there's already some things there that exist between the two sides of that fissure, just like there may be some things that exist beyond the two sides of the fissures that I brought up earlier. And the Pharisees are, are these folks that they really feel strongly about these things. And within the Pharisaic community, there are two leading rabbis, two leading rabbis that are teaching kind of different things about this subject of divorce. Rabbi Hillel and Rabbi Shammai. Rabbi Hillel, when it comes to the subject of divorce, really sort of focuses in on uh, Deuteronomy 24. And he he says that in Deuteronomy 24, the thing that Jesus is is talking about and the thing that the Pharisees are talking about, in Deuteronomy 24, there is this allowance that if a man, and it's always a man, if a man says, I want to divorce my wife, then he can do that, given that there is some impurity, is usually how this gets translated in English. But the, the question is, like, what, what is that impurity? What is that all about? What does that mean? How do I determine when it is okay to divorce my wife and when it is not okay to divorce my wife? And Rabbi Hillel says, at that point of where you simply say, well, I don't really like her, that then you can hand your wife, that certificate of divorce. 
Rabbi Shammai, on the other hand, says that there are specific considerations there and that they are only specific considerations that have to do with marital infidelity. And so there's an argument happening. Is it okay for me to divorce my wife for something that is not marital infidelity? Shammai says it is not okay. Hillel says it is okay. And that difference exists among the Pharisees and amongst all of Judaism. Just like we have these differences that exist in our culture today. Just like if somebody came in and, and they asked me one of those questions in front of all of you here. They might be setting me up for a trap. And that's certainly what they're setting Jesus up for. What they're setting Jesus up for is disharmony. What they're setting Jesus up for is this sense that there's going to be a, a splitting factor here, that, uh, that what they're hoping is going to happen is that Jesus's crowd is all of a sudden going to go from being 100 to being 50, that there's going to be something that detracts away from his followers, and maybe those followers then come back to the Pharisees. And it's interesting the question that they use, a question that does have at the root of it a question of harmony and disharmony, a question of how do we live our lives together as a married couple? How do we live our lives together as family? How do we live our lives together as church even? How do we live our lives in a way that has harmony? Especially when there's so many things that can cause disharmony between us. So many different perspectives, so many different points of view, so many different arguments, so many different things that we can come up with that say, I'm different than you, I think differently than you do. Or you think differently from me. And into that moment, there comes this kind of interesting segue where you have some people that are bringing children to Jesus in order that he might bless them. And the disciples kind of shoo the kids away. They're like, get away, kids. We're talking about important stuff like divorce here. And Jesus says, what are you doing? What's the deal with splitting the room into these different factions? Even the faction of adult and child. What are you doing? Why, why is, is this where we go? Why is this where we go? To say, what I really want most in life is to make myself different from you. To make myself maybe better than you or more correct than you. What I want most in life is to separate myself from the rest of humanity or at least separate ourselves into teams of humanity that are pitted against one another. To which Jesus says, bring the kids to me. 
And the kids, it appears, sits on his lap and says he, he takes them up and he lays his hands on them and he blesses them. And he tells his disciples, if you don't receive the kingdom of God like one of these kids, then you're doing this wrong. But what does that mean? What does it mean to receive the kingdom of God like one of these little children? Well, it means simply receiving the kingdom of God. What receiving the kingdom of God is, by the way, is not something that you get to choose like if you're a Republican or a Democrat. It's not something that you get to choose like the thing that you're watching on MSNBC or Fox News. It's not something that you get to choose and say, oh yeah, I think that's right. I think that's what I believe. The kingdom of God is an invading power. The kingdom of God is something that is coming into your life. The kingdom of God is the reign of God. The reign of God is a king who is coming into your heart and soul. Guns blazing. Ready to take over your sinful tendency to separate yourself from others in humanity. The kingdom of God is what comes into your life and says, you are all humans. Male and female, God created us. Not like the rest of creation he created us. He created us male and female. Males he, he created in the form of Adam where Adam was mangled with God's hands as he formed him. Woman created in the same way, where God took Adam's rib and formed her. Two examples, the only examples of creation where God did not simply just say, let there be and there was, but rather God stopped and said, I am going to stop and I am going to put my fingerprints on you. We are united in God's fingerprints on us. And yet, we want so desperately to rebel against that unity. And that is what God's kingdom comes to fix. God's kingdom comes as a conquering king into our hearts and minds and bodies and says I am coming into you and I am putting things to rest with the death of my son with the battle that he fought on the cross and the victory that he proved in the empty tomb His kingdom is not something that we choose. Like we choose in most of our social issues of the day. His kingdom is something that comes to us. Is applied to us in the waters of baptism. Something that comes to us in the form of his body and blood given to us 
in the sacrament of the altar. His kingdom is something that comes to us in the word of God that it is proclaimed in this space and in so many other places. The kingdom of God is not something that we get to say, yeah, I think that fits me. Because if you think that the kingdom of God fits you, you sinner, you think that the kingdom of God fits you? Then you're wrong. Because what you need instead of choosing the kingdom of God is that you need the kingdom of God to choose you. And he does so gladly. He does so like you're a little child who has no business talking to the big man, no business talking to the dude who his disciples are saying, get rid of these snotty-nosed little kids. That's you. You're the snotty-nosed little kid who has no right to come to Jesus. And Jesus says, do not keep them away. Bring them to me because that is what the kingdom of God is all about. You, sinner... You are brought into the loving arms of a God who loves you so very much, who takes you up in his arms and blesses you. And by the way, we're all sinners. And we all hold that unity. That unity of being brought together. As the writer of the Hebrews said that we read, let us not neglect remembering the good news given to us in Christ. Let us especially not neglect remembering that good news because of social issues of our day. Let us not Neglect remembering the good news of Jesus Christ because of our own sins. Let us not re neglect to remember the good news of Jesus Christ at all. Because his kingdom has come and has invaded ours. Thanks be to God that he has come and invaded you and me and brought us up on his lap and held us close and blessed us. May you go out this week remembering to put aside the disunities of this world when they come forward. And to remember the unity that you've been given by the Holy God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. If you would like to financially support more media from University Lutheran, please visit our website and click the Give Now button, which will enable you to engage in the Christian discipline of giving tithes and offerings to God through His church. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Oh,